0: If you will, open up your Bibles to Exodus 20, our famous scripture, and uh, Exodus 20, we're talking about fear, yeah, or the fear of God, and so if you've been here, uh, we've talked about this subject, how there is a fear of God, but it's not always the way that people think, because most people, when they think of fearing God, they think of, okay, I got to be paranoid of him, and that's not what he teaches that we're we're not to think that way but if you see God how he really is it could bring some fear like serious fear um, because you would go whoa people who don't woe God ha- don't see him correctly if we're flippant about God then we don't see him really the way that we should see him because when we all appear before him, you know, if you ever talk to people at work, you know, or, you know, wherever. And they're like, you know, I'll tell you what, when I die and I stand before God, I'm going to be like, listen, I was good enough. Anybody ever heard that? You ain't going to say, Jack, you're going to be on your face. You know, I mean, it's not like people are going to be going, you know, I'll just tell you when I'm there, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. No, that just shows us not a reverence or a real understanding about how big God is. Right there today, angels and different people, elders, you know, of the church, meaning the The apostles, the early apostles, the 12 tribes there, the ones that were over, these elders that are there in the presence of God, they're constantly praising God, but while they're doing it, the Bible said that there's angels there also, and as they say certain words, you know, the glory of God is there, they fall down on their face. They live there, and they're doing that. And it says it happens constantly. So it's not like it ever gets old, but what, what is it that's being said here? You know, when you read these stories, there's such a demonstration of power, glory. I mean, you're just where God is. You're looking right at him. And many times when we're in this natural world, we're not even, not only are we not aware of God sometimes, we're not even aware that we're a spirit being. And so we're more aware of the fact that we have a physical part and most of the world just lives thinking it's all about the physical. And and people don't realize it's not all about the physical. And that's why when you watch the news and you see a mass shooting, people are like, we don't understand why somebody would kill other people. We may... Have no clue ever if we can't dig it up. You don't, you don't have to go dig nothing up. We, we could read some stuff in the Bible. And recognize there are unseen forces. People yield to anger and start yielding to things. And all of a sudden they yield. First unprovoked murder was way back in the beginning of the Bible. You with me? There is just a spirit world. And when we start praising God, we, we recognize things. We go, wow, there's a presence. We recognize the presence of God. We recognize God's power is working here. But in one sense, for those who have received the Lord, he's in them. He, you have new life. And we need to be more conscious of not just how we feel, But who we are and who God is toward us and all these different things. And so there is a spiritual world. And so when people don't fear God, they're not conscious of him. When Christians don't fear God, they lose a consciousness of him. An element of reality. And to be honest with you, life is about reality But there is a lot of smoke and mirrors about what is reality. You cannot feast mightily on television, on all of its wonderful channels, and think you're coming to reality. You can't feast on news. Like, somebody might say, well, I'm all about CNN because Fox is bad. Somebody else like, Fox is good, CNN is bad. You can't feast on either one of those and think you're coming to reality. You can't. You, that's not where reality is found. And the issue comes down to, then, what is reality? Or you could say it like this, what is truth? Because isn't reality truth? You know, in a sense, I'm talking eternal reality. Heaven is forever. God is forever. That's reality. That is true. Somebody might say, well, all this horrible stuff, it's not the ultimate reality because heaven and earth will pass away. It's not a fixed truth. There is junk in the atmosphere, if you might say, pollution, because of evil and the enemy of man's soul. And so there can be more of a consciousness of just natural things and living a natural life, and God wants us to become conscious of him and who he is, what he can do, how he can work, and that's where you're going to find peace if I'm challenged in my peace, then my mind is on something wrong. Because he said I would endorse with my divine peace anybody who would keep their mind on me in this life. So even as a Christian, if I lose peace, I've put my mind somewhere it doesn't belong. Therefore, though God may love me, he can't cause his peace to be on my life because he said he would endorse with peace the one whose mind is stayed on him. And in a hostile environment, as such, that we live in, we need to recognize it's doable. But it takes discipline, and it really takes reverence our respect of God, or as we've been talking about, it takes the fear of God. Because otherwise, we think, well, I can do what I want. It's all short-term. It's, it, that all ends at some point, but the things of God are all long-term investments. You with me? Short-term, eat all the sunflower seeds. In the bag. Long term thinking, eat half, plant half. Because we're gonna need more. Then don't eat all the rest. You're thinking longer term. Then I'm gonna get more and more, and I'm gonna be able to build, so I'm gonna plant. This world does not teach long term reality. They do not. So if they are your advisor, Get new advice or advisorship. And one thing they do not teach is the fear of God. To respect God. To be conscious of God. You know, it's amazing the things that are just propagated all over the world. And really what we're seeing is an absence of a high regard and reverence from God, about God... Jesus. You with me? Exodus 18, or 20, verse 18, the scriptures we've been looking at. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. What had happened was the children of Israel were called by their leaders to come to this place. And then God showed up in his power on this mountain And it wasn't a normal cloud. We know from reading here before and after that it was the glory of God. The glory of God that's actually in heaven that showed up on buildings in the Bible that shook buildings just came down right there. And they all stood there. And it wasn't like they were standing in front of a volcano. You know and lava started flowing. No they were watching a display of God and it was so incredible now they had seen all kinds of crazy stuff before of God's power. The sea parting. They didn't freak out over that. They saw the death angel come through and people who didn't have the blood applied of the lamb. Their, their children struck down and all these plagues and boils and all this stuff. And they were protected and they didn't freak out over that. This was some kind of display of power. And they went, woe. Then verse 19 said, then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us or we'll die. They had a wrong idea about God. But notice verse 20, it says, and Moses said to the people, do not fear. See, there's a wrong kind of fear. Or a fear that shouldn't be there that God doesn't want. But I think he does want fear there for some. You know, the Bible said for fear, certain people, are you with me? Didn't join themselves to the church. Read the book of Acts. It wasn't just a reverential fear. It was like, dude, something real is happening there. They were mocking, no more mocking. We may tell people don't mock, but when God is on display and there is a fear out there, they'll recognize you don't play games. But if we're playing games, and I don't believe we are, and I don't believe God wants games, you with me? He wants to be on display. And it says, do not fear, for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin or do wrong or miss the mark. Well, God said to his people, which would be us, I don't want you to be paranoid. Now, there is a group of people that should be. The world should recognize if I die the way I am, um, it should strike fear. But anybody who comes to the Lord, then we see how powerful he is. And he said, don't fear me like in a paranoid sense, but fear me in the sense of recognize just how big I am recognize where you came from you couldn't go to heaven and live there forever you would have been eternally lost but i sent my son we should reverence him respect him highly that's the fear of god and so what happens if you're a christian and you think well i need this fear of god better in my life when i gave my life to the lord I had such a reality of God that came into my life. And Jesus, I didn't care who you were. I wanted everybody to know. And I didn't care about their opinion. I didn't care what anybody thought. And I mean, I witnessed to everybody and told everybody about Jesus. And that's probably not far off from the truth. Meaning I did, I mean, you worked at a Grocery store, I'd witness to you. you I was at 7-Eleven, or here it would be Quick Trip. I would witness. And, and I just had such a reverence to God. I was like, well, whatever you want me to do, I'll just do it. I don't care what. But I recognized not everybody had the same thing as me. And I know um, that reverence is connected to reality and knowing how can then, if I'm a Christian and I don't feel like I have this reverence and this high regard for the Lord like I should, what can I do? Because we've talked about strong encounters with God can make you have or present you with the opportunity to have this reverence and this fear of God. But what happens if Jesus doesn't doesn't show up? or an angel doesn't or you know I don't just sense God super powerful all the time what do I do to develop this fear of God in me what are things I can do to, to foster it notice this Proverbs the second chapter now Proverbs is a book of wisdom how to do things And uh, it tells you how to be good in business. It tells you how to be good in relationships. It tells you how to honor, to do various things, how to walk with God, what's important. If you want to know some stuff like that, read the book of Proverbs. Well, notice this in Proverbs, the second chapter, and we're talking about the fear or the reverence and respect of God. Notice this. My son, verse 1, my son, and it's like the book or God writing to them. My son, if you receive my words, now where do we find God's words? In his word. And treasure my commandments, which are his words, within you. So that you incline your ear to my saying or you start responding to what I'm telling you. Because it's one thing to get knowledge because there's a lot of people who have knowledge but that doesn't produce faith alone meaning you've got to act on that knowledge. We should work to act on the knowledge we have. And here he said, so that you would incline your ear to my wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment or understanding and lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her, this is this knowledge, this understanding, as silver and search for her, as for hidden treasures. There's a lot that was said there that if you just read it, you could just pass it up and go, that was nice. He basically said, there's truth in the word of God that's there that the way you pursue it, you should pursue it like it's super valuable. If I don't do that, then I'm going to miss out on the benefit of it later that he's going to talk about. But then he said this, it's not just an issue of reading. Now he makes it an issue of relationship with God. Well, I just got to read my Bible. I just got to read my Bible. Notice he changes from just reading it to prayerfully reading it. Prayerfully seeking it out. Because notice, didn't he say there, cry out for it, for discernment. He said, lift up your voice for understanding. In other words, when I'm reading or before I read, I need to say, God, I got to know. I got to hear from you. And you can't just do that one time. Because that's not how you would look for a treasure. You would search for a treasure till you found it. And he said, and you would do it like it was super valuable, like it was money, like it was riches, it was silver. And he said, when you do this and you cry out and you say, God, I got to know, I got to see, I've got to have understanding. You can cry out like that for other people too, so they see, but you need to do it for yourself. Notice what it goes on to say, then, then. Then. When, then, meaning after you make this your pursuit. Then, it says, you will understand the fear of the Lord. When will you understand the fear of the Lord? After you've done this. He didn't say the fear of the Lord will then be yours But he said, you'll understand it. It will be presented to you. It will give you an opportunity to act. When you read the scriptures and you see how big God is, and you seek for him, and you pursue him, and you look after the word of God, and you take time to eat your daily bread, and you see how God did things, it gives you an opportunity to see the fear of God. Whoa. This is who God is. You with me? We need to do that. We need to recognize. You can't rely on the bread you ate in the past. You know, the bread of the word. You need now bread. This has to become a reality now. And I can't do this for you. and You can't do this for me. Notice he said, then you would understand the fear of the Lord. When you take this pursuit, you would understand the fear of the Lord. When? When you hear from God. When you see truth. And it's not just a religious, I've got to read something. It's a pursuit. It's a dedication. He said, then you would understand the fear of the Lord. Notice this in Psalm 119. Psalms is a wonderful book, a big book, but Psalm 119 is really the chapter. It's the biggest chapter, but it's the chapter that emphasizes God's word, God's command. And notice what he says here in Psalm one nineteen one sixty two. 162. He said, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Notice he said, pursue it like it's a treasure, cry out for it, ask God to teach you so you might learn the fear of the Lord. And he said here though, when you do get answers and you find things, he said, it's like finding a treasure. What is a treasure? It's enrichment. It will enrich your life. How will it enrich your life? turn to Hebrews 11. This may seem like a different scripture, but it's really in line with the same. When we get instruction, when we get wisdom, we get a treasure that you need to hold on to for the long haul. You with me? Because sometimes words you get from God, The times the Lord has dealt with you. Circumstances. Life. Temptations. Whatever it We'll try to wrestle. Those words away. From you. Get you to give up on that. Treasure. That valuable thing. That the Lord spoke to you about. Why? Because if he can get. You to give it up, your effect on others is given up. And what he wants to do in the kingdom is forfeited. And then others miss out. And that's why we have to be dedicated and recognize these things pay off. Notice Hebrews 11 verse 7. And really, the book of Hebrews is about hearing from God, obeying and not surrendering and forfeiting and giving up, you know, your walk with God. And then he gives all these examples of people who stayed with it when they heard and when they had inquired and got direction from God. Hebrews eleven seven 7 says, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned. So he got a word. He had a relationship with God. You can get a word out of the word or God can deal with you. But it said he was divinely warned of things not seen. Or you could say it like this, not yet. They were going to be seen. They just were not seen yet. That's huge. Because how how do you know when you get to the seen part? If it's a promise for this life. It's got to come at some point. And there's many examples of people just like this. Some who saw right away. Some who saw in a short time. Some who saw years later. But they saw it. Notice this. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear. He obeyed. You could say it like this. His obedience to God's direction Was a positioning event. It was positioning him. For life. For what was to come. What would happen. And how the effect of what was about to happen. Where his place would be in that. Well we know Noah builds an ark. But if he didn't build. Guess where his place would be. On a board. Hanging on for dear life. But would all the animals have been saved? No. Did God want the animals to be saved? Yes. Was it God who was going to save the animals? No. But was God involved in saving the animals? Yes. Now you see man's relationship with God and its effect on humanity. People will not always bring themselves to church. The lumber didn't come to the ark. God's like, all right, I know you want me to build, Lord. Just bring the lumber. He said, get out there and cut down the trees. And you better get after it because you've got a certain amount of time to do it, and then this is going to happen. All right, just bring the trees, Lord. Lord. Spring bring the trees. Have you ever invited somebody and noticed they don't always come easy? You know why they don't come easy? I thought God was working on them. Why, didn't, why don't Christians always obey real easy? Now you're talking an unsaved person. You're talking about somebody who doesn't recognize the reality. Who's never been in the presence of God. Think about it. You get a lost person in this atmosphere. They may not know what's going on. But they're going to go. There's something there. Our unsaved owner of this building. Walked in one day. And he, he's called me and said. I like you. He said there's something different. Well I've said a lot of people think that. That's not. I don't know if that's good or bad. But he said, you know, when I went in your building, he said, you could feel something in there. Well, they don't know what it is. But guess what? God, you get the lumber here, we can put it together. If the lumber's out there, it doesn't get shaped. It doesn't get to be part of the boat. Or the building that houses the thing God wants to do. And so when you invite somebody sometimes you got to drag them i've led literally we're gonna sell rope no i'm kidding somebody's like serious no but sometimes people need to be dragged you know you ever had people say i'm gonna come their intentions i believe are good but you know you ever cut down a tree and those roots are stuck or you dug one up and you're like pulling sometimes there's just opposition they don't have a reality of god The enemy can give them all kinds of excuses why they don't need to come because he likes them in his camp, in his organization, the kingdom of darkness. Well, I'm just going to pray that they just come. Now, the way they would come, God can draw people like that, but really he's put it in our hands. Thankfully, Noah uh, realized okay, I got to build this. I got instructions from heaven. So I got to bring the lumber. I got to bring the pitch, the tar, and do it like God said. But notice the fundamental thing that moved him through his whole life. Now you understand this. Noah was called a preacher of righteousness, so he was building the ark and sharing his faith the whole time. He, there was a standing call to people to come. Notice verse 7. But by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear. How, how, how did he move? With godly fear. He could have looked at the circumstances and said, well, I see no chance of rain. I've got plenty of time. To do this. I've got plenty of time. To build an ark. What if he would have waited. To do it and thought. Well. I'm seeing no animals. I'm seeing. uh, No clouds. Maybe I'll build a raft. It would just save me a lot of time. Time. A lot of sweat and tears in case I've missed it. Because if I've missed it, and I got this big old ark sitting here, he's going to be the laughing stock. What do you got going on there, Noah? I built this ark. I thought the Lord spoke to me. You know people mocked him you guaranteed they mocked him. But notice, he moved with godly fear. What does that mean? He respected God so much in what God had said and who God was, he said, I'm going to move with what God is saying. I'm going to esteem God's word more than what I feel, more than what I could see, and do you know what he could see was not what God said. Every day he was dragging trees cutting them up, putting them together, he could... I mean, wouldn't it have been nice, like, every Tuesday, the Lord's like, now listen, Noah, this is a big task, so once a week, it's never rained, it's only been a mist upon the earth, what I'm going to do is just, like, send a big cloud by you, just a just big puffy one, it's going to be dark, and every day it's going to look every once a week, and it's going to get darker and darker for these hundred and something years you're doing this. Wouldn't that have been nice? Thank you, Lord. Oh, there's the cloud. No, he got none of that. How did he stay dedicated? His reverence and his respect for God. Notice verse 7. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen, he moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Notice, he acted on what God said. Acting on what God said helps us to live out this life. But how did he do it? Because he heard, it was presented, he respected, he revered God. He got the fear of God by hearing. When you get something quickened in you as a believer, you have an opportunity. I'm going to respect what God's saying and go for it. Or I'm going to delay And think there's always another day. Sometimes there is another day. But eventually you go from an ark to a raft. You with me? God didn't want that. And so. And I'm not saying we're in that place. Or anything like that. But we should recognize. Man God's word is valuable. When we respond to it. It's an exercise of the fear of God. When I'm dealt with and I obey him, I am actually exercising the reverence of God. Not just I reverence you, I'm doing it. Notice this in uh, Hebrews 12, the very next chapter. And we're talking about the word of God. And how we can find things in his word. And we should act on them. But notice here in Hebrews 12. He's kind of summing up the book. And the book really of Hebrews is about God speaking to people. And how they need to reverence him. And obey him. It said in the first chapter it's saying angels heard. They rebelled. We know those ones right? We've read about them. Then it said the children of Israel had an opportunity to enter in to the promised land. They heard, but they refused because they respected and revered more the problem and the enemy than God. And you just go through the book and all the illustrations, and then he says something right here in verse 28 that is so awesome. He said this in the 12th chapter, therefore, Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. What does this mean? Christians have received a kingdom within themselves that cannot be shaken. You've got something powerful in you if you've received the Lord. You're also joined to something that is powerful. The church, the kingdom. And he said, it's unshakable. He said, notice, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which, or let us have this ability by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We've got something in us to help us to live this life. Notice the verses before, because we're going to close with this. The verses before talk about this building of this kingdom and staying with this kingdom and working it. We all should be people who think of the lost and bring them. We should all think about what's happening here and work with it. And why? Because this is not a temporary thing. This is an eternal thing. And he said here in verse 28, we are to do it with reverence. Serve God acceptably. What's the best way to serve God? With reverence. Godly fear. How many people do it out of an obligation? Well, I got to do it. Boy, when we get to really see how God is and how big he is, it's better to do it with reverence and godly fear or godly respect. That's a relationship. That's something personal. And he tells us how to get it. But notice here in the 12th chapter, he said we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But do you know though we've received the kingdom within us, We're to propagate the kingdom out here. The kingdom is not just supposed to be left in you. The kingdom is supposed to be given to others. That's why we want people near. So they can hear. So the kingdom can get in them. So that the kingdom can spread. You know, I remember, I I never really watched it, Star Trek. But I remember, and most people know this episode, if they don't know any, they, one of the guys brought uh, like this little gerbil on board. Remember that? It was just basically like a fur ball. That was Hollywood's great props back then. The problem was they brought this thing on, and people liked them, and they would multiply. And they're spreading and spreading and spreading and spreading, and they're taking over the ship. And uh, they're like, we got to get these off. But people are like, but I like it. Anybody remember that? The thing with the kingdom of God being in us is not just to be left for me and left for you, it's to be put into other people or given to other people. It's to be expanded naturally through buildings, activities, through the schools. We are to get everywhere. Not just here, we should reach teachers. Bring them, get the kingdom in them, let them spread it in the school. Get people in government here or in the churches so they can get to know God, so the kingdom can get in them, so it can spread like those gerbils, so to speak. Their influence then spreads. The kingdom was never intended to end in you alone or me alone. If it is, we've received a kingdom that can't be shaken, there's a world that needs this. God would never think, stop it with you. Stop it with me. Stop it with another generation. Notice if we've received an unshakable one, do you know the shakable stuff, though, can be removed? Notice verse 26, 25, and we'll close with this. See that you do not refuse him. Now, where do you find the fear of the Lord? By searching, calling out. He said, then you'll hear from him and he'll give you understanding. He'll deal with you. He'll unveil things to you. Notice here. See then that you do not refuse him who speaks. In other words, don't just hear. Do what you know. Do what he deals with you about. That's how you yield to the fear of God. That's how you start walking in the reverence of God. He said, do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape, and and he's told of different people who didn't get by by refusing. He said, who refused him, who spoke on earth. How or much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Now he's talking about something real severe here. Not in the context we're talking about. But notice this. He said whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying. Yet once more I shake not only the earth but also heaven. How did he do it? By speaking. Dealing with his people. What's he trying to do? There's an unshakable, unshakable something in you that needs to be spread everywhere. You know, we talk about the flu season, yeah. you know, or I should say the world does, and they'll tell you, you have to get a flu shot, and it doesn't always work. But they'll tell you, be careful around those people because that's flu, what's going to happen? It's going to spread. We have something unshakable that should spread better than the flu. And the only way the flu gets on other people is by proximity. The only way the kingdom's gonna work is when we get in proximity and then we bring. And if you think about it, you have something unshakable. What they've got in their life is totally shakable. It's not eternal. This is one reason we should be careful what we get involved in in the earth. Because if it's not really from God, it's shakeable. It won't always last. Notice God said here, I'm going to speak again. And things, you know, are going to shake. But notice what you have in you won't shake. And when he's talking about shaken, he's talking about destroyed. Notice this. Verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, and he's going to describe it yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. Well, what are the things that shake? Not the kingdom you have, if you've received the Lord. Notice what shakes or can be broken. He said. Being shaken as of things made. That the things which cannot be shaken. Which we know is the kingdom. May remain. Notice this. He said. The things that men are building in the earth are shakeable. They will utterly fall at some point. God needs to speak to them to get that thing that's been built in their life that they have security in, and they think, oh, this is it. This is the way. This is the good thing. I'm doing the right thing. This is why we bring them. This is why we share, so they can hear the voice that will rattle that thing that's not eternal, that's shakeable. We've got something way bigger in us than maybe we've ever realized And it's unshakable. But one thing we do need to be careful of is adding on. You know what I mean? You ever uh, gone to buy a home and somebody added something on to it? You know, a home, uh, a room. And and then they said, oh, we did that without a permit. And they're like, well, we can't give a loan on that. Because we don't know if that thing's going to fall or not. Because it was man-made, not by design, We can't loan on that. They recognize something could shake and fall there. What we're talking about having is something eternal. Make sure you know you have eternal life. But then be careful how you build on your own life. Do it permitted by God. But do this too. Make sure you become a bringer or a reacher... And here's the thing, God will work through us. You've got something unshakable. We can know the fear of God. We can have such a reverence for God, and God will work with us. Don't think you're without if you know the Lord.